It doesn't even occur to you that you're self-centered because you are so self-centered and... You know what? Hold on a second. Can I help you? Uh, who might you be? I'm Stifler's mom. Oh. I'm Jim's dad. It'll be much less terrifying if you just come to me. What man's got Make love in a hammock. What? Hello, everybody, and welcome to Film Actually, episode 99 for the 16th of September, 2012. I am David McVeigh, and I am joined by Josh Philpott. How are you, Josh? I'm all right. That that came out of the blue. You came out of that intro so fast, I just was not ready for that at all. <laughs> I was like, oh, Jesus, here we go. That's what I do. <laughs> all right. It's been um, a couple of weeks again, Josh. It has. It has. <laughs> this is getting, I've noticed that. It, it's Seems becoming becoming a bit of a pattern. Yes, it has. It has. So I think we should actually talk about a few things before we actually go on. Before we start anything, we should say this is Film Actually, the official movie podcast of geekactually.com. And this week, uh, we are going to be reviewing uh, the new Sylvester Stallone. It's not even, is it, could we call it a vehicle for him, considering of all the people who are in the cast? <laughs> uh, we could call it a, uh, I could call it a lot of things, Dave, but I will probably <laughs> save those until later in the show. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, let's just say that the new Sylvester Stallone film, directed by Simon West, The Expendables 2, is what we're going to review. And in honor of a film that has a cast like The Expendables, our list of five this week is going to be five ensemble films, whether good or bad five ensemble films. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure we have some interesting films to uh, tackle on that. But before we do that, let's do some announcements and let's do some talking. Uh, because um, we come today to this show with slightly saddened news. Um, not terrible news, but slightly saddened news, which is that we are going to take a break. Um, now, a couple of weeks ago, I alluded to the fact that there was some issues going on with family and stuff that was causing some problems and some timing issues and stuff like that. Uh, and I said, well, you know, we'll just leave it at that and, you know, just consider that we're going to be a little bit irregular. But uh, it is actually uh, a little bit more than that. So I thought I should just bring it up this week and say that this will be the last film actually uh, for a while. Uh, oh, <laughs> sorry. I'm just this is when out. we need Richard Soundboard because he's got all the children going, oh. <laughs> Um, yes, we're going to take a hiatus uh, from podcasting. Uh, Geek Actually Network as a whole is going to take a hiatus from podcasting just for a couple of months. Um, too many things are happening at the moment uh, to make it so that we can be reliably out every week at this point. And we've been doing this for four years straight. And I think it's just, it comes to a time when you've actually done a couple of hundred shows or a few hundred shows and uh, four years of time, you just sometimes need to stop, pause and take uh, take count of what you've done and mm. and have a look at it and see where you can make things get better. And so I think what we're going to do, uh, I was talking to Josh earlier today. Um, basically, what we're going to do is we're going to take a break until early in the new year. Uh, so it's about two months for that, two and a half months. And then we'll try and come back uh, probably January um, where we can come back with new energy and new shows and basically a complete revamp of the whole thing. And uh, I've got a couple of ideas for some new shows already. Uh, one of them of which, of course, is we want to bring back The Geek Show. 
Um, yep. And so we will be doing that as well. But uh, I've had a couple of other ideas that I've been toying around in my head uh, for the last couple of months, and it's just there's no time to do anything about it. Um, so if we take some take some time, take a break, uh, the site will stay active, all the feeds will still be alive, uh, so you'll still be able to get back episodes, and we will still do some shows. Now, yeah. jo- Josh and I talked about this. Uh, we can't just sit idly by and let The Hobbit go by, for instance. Um, no way. So we, what we're going to do is we're going to do some irregular specials where every now and again we're going to go, that needs to be talked about. And yep. we're going to just jump in and we're just going to do these irregular shows here and there. And as an example, and I know this sounds really weird, but we cannot not do a Twilight show. And it's not that we like Twilight. If you've listened to the shows, you know we don't like Twilight, but we've done them all. We, we have done them all. It's kind of like closure. We have to finish this thing. <laughs> so we will come back and do a Twilight special, and we will do a Hobbit special, uh, just so that we can make sure that we do get these little bits and pieces out. And besides, we have to do at least one more because we need episode 100. Damn right we do. <laughs> That's right. So so uh, the, they will be a regular, though. So I, I know this is sad news for some because like, we, get Twitter, we get Twitters and we get, we get Facebook messages where they say, where's the show this week? This is what's been going on now. Basically, in a nutshell, without going into too much detail, my lovely wife's Katie, uh, her father has gone into hospital. Uh, he's very, very sick. And so she's basically be jetting backwards and forwards between Melbourne and here. And, of course, that makes me single father mode my mother has come up to help out and it's just like and i'm working full-time shift work as well so it all becomes very very chaotic after Mm. a while and it's just like you sit there and go to a point where you go i just think at this point we just need to put everything on hold until we can figure out what's going on on that side of things and it will give us an opportunity to reinvent on this side of things Mm, so, uh, so yeah, so now we do also do the, so this is the announcement for Film Actually and Film Actually News, um, and basically panels will also be going on to, behind the panels, our comic book show will also be going into hiatus, I just don't know whether there's one more of those yet or not, I'm still trying to get in touch with Richard. So stay tuned on that. But if things disappear and we haven't been doing any shows, that's because of that reason. Our Facebook page will still be there. Twitter will still be there, et cetera, et cetera. So you can still contact us, and we will be doing a regular stuff. Some stuff will still go up on the site. Um, I believe uh, Paramount uh, – not Paramount. Uh, who is it that's releasing Judge Dredd? Judge Dredd. Uh, Icon? I thought that was Paramount. Is it Paramount? No, no Paramount. Icon. No, it's Icon. I, I think it's Icon. I think it's Icon. Yeah. Anyway, if, I, if we're wrong, we'll correct that later. I think there might be a giveaway coming up for that. So that'll still go onto the site and stuff like that. So keep your eyes open and keep your eyes on our Facebook page. And that's where we're going to be. Facebook will be where the news really flows through. So mm. keep your eye on the Facebook Geek Actually page. And if you haven't liked that yet, go like that now because that's where we're going to be putting stuff up. All right. All right. So with that all being said, Josh, let's do a, let's do a show. Let's do a show. Let's do a show. And of course, yes, Josh, you can still be heard on uh, Raw DLC. Damn right. Yeah, and so I jo- will still continue to be there. In fact, we have big announcement news, but I will do that towards the end of the show. Very good. Okay, so so we're not going anywhere, but we're just taking a break. Okay, so it's, a little, <laughs> it's like, we're on break. We're, what is it, the old Friends TV show? Anyway, anyway. Yeah. We won't go there. Josh, what have you been watching in the last couple of weeks? <laughs> What have I been watching? Yeah. Well, I've been watching all sorts of things. I, um, I've i been kicking through the X-Files still. I'm up to season four now. Wow, which you are plowing been, through that. Yes, which has been fantastic. Um, I have struggled to get uh, a heap of TV going because I've been watching a lot of gaming. Uh, I, I've announced this 
nowhere else apart from this, and I'm doing it only because it's a special day, um, I've built myself a new computer. Yeah. And that's just a teaser because there's going to be a whole lot of information hitting Raw DLC when we get through this other thing, which I'm going to talk about later. Um, but I've built this wonderful new uh, machine, which can literally redesign nukes um, by itself. And um, it is fantastic looking, but what's even better about it is that it plays games amazingly. So <laughs> I have been slowly but surely um, devouring every single game in my Steam library and seeing what it looks like in, you know, better than real life HD. <laughs> so uh, that's pretty much been where I've been spending most of my time lately. Uh, that and organizing this crazy event, which I continue to not tell anybody about and say that we'll talk about later in the show. Fair Dave, <laughs> <laughs> I know that that's like I was sitting the whole time going shit. Everything I'm about to say, I can't talk about. So uh, yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, on my side of things, um, as you can imagine, it's been very chaotic. But I did watch the Avengers two more times. Uh, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. We have it playing at work, man, and I just can't bring myself to buy it yet. I'm like, I'm gonna wait till it's all gone. And then I'm going to come back and watch it. Oh, man, it's so good. Um, and um, I actually thought I'd just talk about the fact that I rewatched The Hunger Games on Blu-ray. Nice. Um, I actually really enjoyed it on Blu-ray. Um, I think I liked it more on Blu-ray than I did at the cinema. And I actually yeah. hated it at the cinema. So um, I actually found myself going, yeah, this is all right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it was okay. Um, but the other thing I wanted to talk about, because I actually was watching it a few weeks ago, but I couldn't talk about it because it wasn't out yet, but it's now out. I've been watching Star Trek The Next Generation on Blu-ray, ah. which is phenomenal. Can I just, let's, let's just talk for a minute here and basically say that I've plowed my way through half of the first season. Uh, it came out on Blu-ray, I think it was last week, um, mm. and it is phenomenal. I mean, there's just no other word to say. It's, they've taken a show that was originally shot on 35mm film, but was actually transferred to standard def video for its editing. Um, mm. because that's how they made television back then. Uh, so what they've done for this Blu-ray is they actually did talk about upscaling. If you watch the, the bonus features are fantastic, and they actually talk about the fact that when they went to do the restoration, their first thought was to upscale it to Blu-ray, um, to, to high def. And they said, but it didn't work because the analogy they drew was saying, imagine taking a postage stamp and making an A4 print out of it. Um, it just doesn't work. No, it so doesn't. what they had to do was they actually went back, they rounded up all of the original 35-millimeter film, uh, including, including all of the special effects passes on all the models and everything, mm. um, and they literally rescanned it all into high def um, and then recomposited the effects using the original elements. So it's still the original Enterprise model. It's still the original beauty passes and everything else. It's just that they were all recomposited uh, to high def specifications, and let me tell you, in the opening credit sequence of Next Generation, there is actually a flyby on the ship near the end of the credit sequence where you can actually see people in one of the windows. Oh shit! <laughs> Which you could never see before because everything was just kind of milky and murky, and there's more windows and and everything's really crisp and it's really bright color and the reds are really red and all the uniforms pop out and everything is crystal clear and it's just beautiful and this is awesome. season and this is season one and season one was kind of poor as a as a as a season is concerned you just wonder what they're going to be able to do from here i can't wait to see season three 
Mm, I mean, yeah. season three is where the show really took off. It's where the Borg came into it and all this sort of stuff. I can't wait to see the Borg in high def. Put it this way, it's so clear now, and they show you side-by-side comparisons uh, in the special features. Uh, Deanna Troy in the first season wore like these little jewels in her hair, and in high def you could actually make out every little jewel. Oh, wow. You know, it is remarkable, the difference between the original stand Because I've got it in standard diff. I've got it on DVD. And to mm. look at it in DVD and then you look at it in high def and you just go, wow, that is chalk and cheese, man. There is, no, there is no comparison. And it makes you want to watch the show again. You know, it really does. And that's why I've been plowing through yep. season one. It's just fantastic. Uh, so everybody, it is worth it. I know that I think at the moment it's a little pricey because it is considered a new release. Um, I think JB's got a $68 or something like that. Mm. Um, but it's worth it. It is so worth it. Awesome. Um, Tricky fans just go out and buy it. By yeah, the and now I'm just, I just hope they don't make us wait too long between seasons. Well, hopefully it's not like the start. Star Wars thing, and you know, we'll only get them if everybody buys this one. Yeah, well, there is actually an ad for season two on the season one Blu ray. So they've oh. obviously started season two already. So hopefully, it, each, hopefully, each season will be kind of uniformly paced. Um, mm. And then I went and had a look at a copy of Deep Space Nine the other day because sh- my son got very interested in Star Trek suddenly watching it in Blu ray. So he wanted to see more. So I showed him a Deep Space Nine on DVD, and now that looks like crap. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> so, so, so now what we need is we need everything converted to Blu-ray because they all look so good in Blu-ray. So, um, so yeah, there you have it. <laughs> but that's been taking up a great deal of my time because it is really good. The other thing I wanted to mention very quickly is I watched Source Code again. Oh, yeah. How was that on a second watching? Really good, and it looks fantastic on Blu-ray. Can I just tell you that? It's a really crisp transfer, and I really enjoyed it and i watched it with my lovely wife katie who had never seen it and she really really dug it she thought it was a really interesting concept um Mm. so yeah no i think it holds up to a second viewing quite well and once again because you're not in that anticipation mode of being his sophomore film blah 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 you kind of can just enjoy the film for what it is Mm. and i think they actually managed to do a pretty good job uh it's uh it's it's one world worth having a look at or revisiting um again on blu-ray awesome um, but that's what I've been watching. Um, the other thing I thought I would talk about is the fact that I got my new Fetch TV installed, which is kind of fun, which is IPTV through iNet, which is kind of fun. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah. So How does it work? Uh, basically, it's a, um, a PVR box. So it's got a, a, a recorder in it, and it can record live-to-air television. And as well as live-to-air television, there's also a selection of IPTV stations, so stuff that is being fed through the Internet. Um, so things like, you know, uh, they don't have Discovery Channel, but they have Frontiers or whatever it's called, which is like Discovery Channel and stuff like that. So they've got all these other channels that are feeding through IPTV. Um, and it's seamless and in high def and it's got movie rentals and all sorts of other stuff. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. So it is well worth having a look at. It's not quite as comprehensive as Foxtel and its channels, which is our cable network here. But uh, Foxtel has been around a lot longer. So give it a chance. Yeah, exactly. Give um, it some time to kick off the ground and actually get up and started. Yeah, absolutely. But it is, uh, there's a lot of movies on there, and they have a really neat feature. One feature I really do like on it is part of your subscription is called, called Movie Box. And this is where it brings it back to this show. Um, basically, it's 30 movies um, that are basically uh, downloadable for free, part of your subscription. Mm. And they update it every month. So seven new movies every month. And it's yeah. always 30 movies in the movie box for you to have a look at. It's kind of a little bit like, say, something like uh, Netflix Watch Instantly in America. 
Right. But a smaller so selection. These people. downloadable ones uh, disappear, though, after the 30 days? Yeah, or? They, they, just, they just disappear off the machine. Mm, okay. And they actually have on the screen the expiry date. So basically oh, it says, uh, view this up until the 17th of September or something like that, you know? Mm. So it's pretty cool. At the moment, Dogma is on. <laughs> Which, that's always a good film. Which I, you know, I love Dogma. So, <laughs> and it's always good to rewatch that just to remind ourselves how awesome George Carlin was. Yes, with the buddy Jesus, the buddy Christ. Yep. <laughs> I'll actually, I will bring up one more thing. I've been watching uh, once again on the Fetch TV. They actually have this section where they have like several episodes of a TV show, um, mm-hmm. where you can uh, pull those down off the, off the internet. Basically, they've got them there for you to view. Um, and they've got all these old sci-fi shows. Well, not when I say old, uh, we're not talking about really old. We're talking about like within the last 10 years or so. Mm. And, um, they actually have some episodes of Farscape, which is a oh, series. Really? Yeah. Which is a series I never really got into at all when it was on. Um, and I actually watched two episodes the other day because they were there and I actually found myself kind of enjoying it. <laughs> so problem is that now I have to go find the rest of Farscape. <laughs> so. Yeah. But they also have things like there's a few episodes of Outer Limits and a few episodes of um, uh, Stargate and a few episodes of a whole bunch of shows. So it's kind of fun that they've just got this stuff sitting there waiting for you to just pull it down on demand TV. Yeah. And I mean, that's the great thing about these kind of services, isn't it? It's like the more that they expand and the more willing they are to offer you new co- um, content, it's more likely that people will stop downloading and start using them. That's kind of the concept. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the more stuff they can offer us, the more stuff we won't have to um, uh, per- uh, uh, grab from other means. Let's put it that way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, I guess we should probably review a feature film. Yeah, why not? Let's, I guess. Let's do that. Uh, nah, let's just skip the whole thing and go home. Okay, well, we're finished. No, I'm just kidding. It's the last <laughs> time. Come on. <laughs> All right. So, uh, this week, we're doing The Expendables 2. Uh, now, this is directed by Simon West, uh, who did Con Air, uh, and it is written by Richard Wenk and Sylvester Stallone. Uh, and it stars, <clears throat> better take a deep breath, Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Jet Li, Dolph Lundgren, Chuck Norris, Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Terry Crews, Randy Couture, Liam Hemsworth, uh, Charisma Carpenter. Who else is in this? Help you out. Now, <laughs> um, uh, Nan Yu, oh, I think was the, she's the, the, um, the new, the new member that they get. Oh yeah, and 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 there's there's also you know like an absolute ton of basically racial stereotyped uh, extras. We can't forget <laughs> to uh, put those guys lots in there. Gener- and, um, <laughs> lots of generic Eastern Europeans. Yeah, exactly. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, and the synopsis reads something like this. This is straight from my oh, DB. Man, I just can't wait to hear this. It says, "Mr. Church reunites the Expendables for what should be an easy paycheck, but when one of their <laughs> men is murdered on the job, their quest for revenge puts them deep in enemy territory and up against an unexpected threat." That's actually pretty accurate. <laughs> Not a very good sell, though. I no, not really. I would have said... If you mo- didn't know the cast in this, you'd probably look at that and go, yeah, no. Well, exactly. I mean, this is this is a, a cast of old saddlebags, basically. So, <laughs> so let's have a listen to the trailer, and we'll come back and we'll talk about this.
somebody's hooked. And I pronounce you man and knife. You and your little psychotic gang of monsters. Today is payback. Six pounds of pure plutonium is powerful enough to change the balance of the world. Imagine what five tons would do. You're gonna need more men if you expect to get out of here alive. I'm back! You can't let the contents of that safe fall into the wrong hands. What's the plan? Track him, find him, kill him. All right, so that's the trailer for The Expendables. And I'm going to start us off and say that um, when the original Expendables came out, we reviewed it on this show, and you can go back and listen to that if you want to. And I remember Celine... Uh, was actually doing it with us, and she was <laughs> she did not she did not like it at all. And Celine think, was not a fan of this film. No, and I think her her one quote that I remember really clearly from that entire thing was, "They're all just so old." <laughs> We're gonna get into that in way more detail soon. And here we are, a couple of years later, and they're even older. <laughs> mm. uh, but yes, basically, this is. It's fan service. Let's face it. This film is, is, it is a high concept film that has managed to build a huge audience and it's now come back for a second, a second run. And the high concept, of course, is what if we took a whole bunch of classic action stars and put them together into one movie? And it worked. You know, God love them. The film actually made a shit ton of money when it came out. Um, and so they're back for a second run. Now, this time, I think they do benefit from the fact that Stallone isn't directing um, because I think Simon West is a better action director, quite frankly. And I think he's there are a couple of moments in this film that are truly spectacular. One in particular is the opening assault. Oh, yeah. The opening no assault is brilliant. You know, yeah. Um, I think, and and that leads all the way up into them, you know, escaping and then getting this this job, which takes them into the main storyline. But this opening assault, of first fifteen minutes of the film, is worth the price of admission. You that know? is probably the best part of the film, in my opinion. Absolutely, and I and I would actually say that I enjoyed the film. It is by no means intellectually stimulating in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> this is this is. Uh, complete popcorn cinema, and if you get past the the issue that they all look like old leathered saddlebags, and, <laughs> and, and some of them have some major plastic surgery issues they have to deal with, um, uh, that it is actually kind of fun. 
And mm. and I gotta say that you know for all the hoopla that they finally got him, I gotta say that the weakest member of the cast, funnily enough, has to be Chuck Norris, who was Definitely. friggin' awful. <laughs> but luckily, his part is quite small, and yep. um, and you know he's okay, and he is responsible for the best laugh in the entire film, which we will come back to in spoilers. I don't want to don't want to spo- spoil anything, but uh, there is a there is one particular line in this movie from Chuck Norris that I. Any film that could get away with that line is worth the money. I mean, it's like if you can get away with that and actually not make people groan, it actually worked. You know what I mean? Mm. Josh, what did you think of The Expendables? Uh, well, <laughs> um, look, I'm not sure if you guys remember, but one of the things I talked about quite a bit when we watched the first film was I said that there's a very fine line that you can walk with a film like this between being funny and just absolutely stupid and camp. Um, and I believe that this one kind of crossed that line. Um, <laughs> I think that realistically, I agree with a, a lot of what you're saying, man. I think that um, it does do some uh, decent jokes. I think that some of the action sequences are quite spectacular. I think the concept of putting all these people in a film um, and somehow managing to make it fun is an accomplishment. The rest of it, I have a huge issue with. I think, I think just to interrupt you for a second, I think the concept works better on paper than it does in real life. Can I just say uh, that? Yeah. Now, I think the big problem that you have immediately is th- these men, only about five of them actually still look tough. The rest <laughs> of them just look really, really tired. Um, I mean, I, I think the, my favorite bit of the entire movie, and look, maybe I went to the wrong cinema because we were probably righteous uh, assholes to everyone else that was watching, but um, certain moments just made me piss myself laughing. Uh, one of my favorite ones is just the removal of John claude Van Damme's glasses, and he just has these <laughs> giant Botox puffy eyes that just stick straight out, and he just looks ridiculous. Like, I can't even believe, like, some of these people look like maybe they should have, maybe they shouldn't have done this film. Maybe I, they should I, have just, just sat it out. Can I just say this? Schwarzenegger is not looking good. No, no, he's not. And I think that this really makes me think that the concept of re- career revival will have to pick some very interesting roles to work because it's a different generation and he's not, like, he was popular for the muscle. And I just don't know if that's, really going to sell this time no, around. No, and, and let's face it, the, 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 I don't know if you've been following the news this week, but it is coming out this week that he is basically uh, in line to return for another Terminator film. And all I can think is, how? <laughs> you know, it's like, how are they going to do that? How are they going to explain the fact that the robot looks like a geriatric? <laughs> uh, well... <laughs> When they were first building it, they added aging cells. Oh, is that what it is? No, I just made that up. But I'm sure they'll get rid of it with some equally benign kind of conversation. Um, Okay, so back onto the film for a moment. Let me just say that um, Chuck Norris is the worst part of this film. He is just... He's awful. He shows up supposed to be like this, this snake, violent, evil, death-dealing, horrible person... And he looks like your dad, your best friend's dad. Yeah, like he, he just looks like that really nice guy that you used to know that wouldn't hurt a fly. And he can't sell it. There's nothing about him that even mildly seems. Chuck Norris's act- Chuck Chuck Norris's day as Lone Wolf McQuaid are way behind him. <laughs> 
<laughs> there is no way he is selling. There tough ain't guy. no roundhouses happening now. No, they, and he just looks small. Yeah, he looks little compared to all these guys. You know. Yeah, no, he really does, man. It's um, it's quite <laughs> hilarious. Just the level of um, the level of effort they went to to try and sell him as this like big heavy duty guy, and just. I just I couldn't stop laughing. It no, was well, like, I, I've got to do it now. I got to do it. Now. I, I can't. I can't hold for a spoiler section. People, I'm sorry, but we have to talk about this. We're talking about Chuck Norris. The line that I was talking about comes from Chuck Norris, and I know it's mild spoilers, but we have to share this with you because it is just it <sighs> is, Chuck Norris makes his appearance. Sylvester Stallone says to him, "I thought I, I heard you got bitten by a king cobra." Chuck Norris replies, "I did," and after five days of extraordinary ex- excruciating pain, the snake finally died (laughs) and can i just say putting chuck norris jokes in a film with a guy that isn't supposed to be chuck norris didn't work for me but but i did did. all the way through the film there's actually that point near the end where schwarzenegger where schwarzenegger says who's coming next rambo you know it's like all the way through it they have all these these references and that was actually the point i was going to make delivered by people that acting was never their strong point exactly and the point i was going to make before which was this film actually starts incredibly strong but ends really feebly yeah Uh, the actual kind of just feels like it didn't really know where it was going it was like all it had to do was get its cast and get people excited and then it knew it could just get through on that. Yeah, and I got to tell you that the, the, I don't know in what universe this actually happens, but can I just tell you that this film, the best moments on screen in this film belong to, and I can't believe these words are going to come out of my mouth, they belong to Van Damme and Stallone. And you sit there and you look at it and go, when they're on doing stuff, you kind of believe they're tough guys. You kind of believe that there's, there's menace there. Everybody yeah. else in this cast, it feels like they're on holiday. You know? Hey, man, come on. Terry Crews was awesome, and his whole speech about food was amazing. Actually, the, the fact that he keeps cooking food is quite funny. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I just, I, it's like, I've never thought, I, I've never been a Van Damme fan. All right. Never. And I actually thought there was menace coming from him in this. He did feel menace kind of, through giant puffy eyes. Yeah, but when he had his sunglasses <laughs> on, he was quite he was quite menacing. <laughs> when he took the sunglasses off, it didn't work at all. Yeah. <laughs> but it was more menace oh. from the women in the village, quite frankly, when he had his sunglasses off. Can I also just say how incredibly machoistic this film is? It's like anyone that isn't a dude in this film will get like ten seconds of airtime, and if they do, they might they might kill somebody for like 10 seconds, but then some male will stand in front of them and push them behind them and be like, okay, now we'll handle this um, from here. Also, loving the racial stuff. Like, I love when, uh, what's his name? Um, Jet Li jumps out of the heli- uh, the airplane with a, heli- with a parachute on that um, Dolph Lundgren's character actually utters the line, now that's what I call Chinese takeout. Yeah, I heard And I'm that. just like, oh, dude, it's not the 80s. Drop that humor. <laughs> it just doesn't work in this day and age. It's actually mildly irritating. Um, but that and the fact that, like, in this entire town of Russian women, now I'm willing to believe that that's not a good place to probably be a war soldier as a female in an Eastern European village. But you're telling me that every single one of them can't shoot at all. Like, no one can <laughs> work out the logistics of a gun to the point where they can point it in the right direction to hit nine men standing in the middle of a, like, 
just the middle of an area. Yeah, and yeah, and you have that wonderful bit where the the boys step out because they realize the girls can't shoot, and they're yeah. like standing there while they're shooting at them. Like, yeah, they're not going to hit us. It's okay. <laughs> 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 and then when we we introduced the uh the Maggie character, uh what was her name again? Nan Yu. Uh yeah. she can fight and she can hold her own and yet they keep sidelining her. I know, right? Like <laughs> yeah. she never becomes kind of one of the expendables. The expendables are like, we'll let you on if you want. And I kind of got that feeling from her at the end that she's like, "You know what? It's probably not good for either of us." <laughs> Um, but yeah, look, I thought this film ended really weakly, and um, I've got to say, I don't know whether I really got my money's worth, Dave. I got a lot of laughs, but at the same time, the delivery of things like uh, Stallone delivering the line of somebody like, say, Bruce Willis didn't really work. And Bruce Willis's character for the first half of this film was like some like bureaucratic pussy, and... Wasn't really that interesting and just overacted everything. And not in that I'm trying to be funny way, just in that really like, just give me the fucking money and let me go. Well, it's like they took a, they took two characters who were essentially a throwaway cameo, nod and a wink to the camera in the first film and said, let's expand them out. And you go, why? <laughs> you know? It's like there was no need for that. You know, and Bruce Willis looked bored. Arnold Schwarzenegger looked desperate. You know, it's like he's like, I, <laughs> he did. He looked like, okay, I'm back. Can I, can I go to be in a movie now? <laughs> you know? like, uh, yeah, no, unfortunately, I think you're right. And Jet Li disappeared. <laughs> what happened to Jet I think Jet Li did the smart thing and he was like, well, I ain't committing career suicide on this show. Jet Li goes, I'm leaving. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, Charisma Carpenter continuing her stellar career as being eye candy. Yep. Uh, in her skin tight dress and looking very, very nice. But once again, why is she in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Seriously, I actually couldn't figure out her purpose in this film. No, I, it's, I couldn't figure out her purpose in the first film either. She's just there. You know, and you sit there and go, she is. She's there so that, that men can be like women, right? right. That's basically the extent of her role. And the is one like, you know, they're cheating on you. And he's like, oh, you telling me that my girl's cheating on me. I'm like, what are you all rambling on about? Could you not fill this with 15 minutes of purposeful dialogue instead? You know, just something that has like a direction. Can I point or, out as well? He's getting phone calls from her. Yeah, while I, they're I, I in the plane, spell. while they're in the plane over the jungle, <laughs> where's the cell I'm tower? Cell phone, and you know what? I want to be on whatever freaking cell company he's with. Yeah, absolutely. That ain't Verizon. Let me tell you that <laughs> that is something that is like satellite quality. And if it's available, I would like it, and I will take the four G option too. <laughs> he's amazing. Amazing cell coverage. <laughs> Walking through the desert and like walking through the jungle in the middle of nowhere, and he's just having long, idle conversations with her, which I'm pretty sure somebody would be tracking. Yeah, just saying. Yeah, yeah, you think wandering around in the jungle, just being like, "I'm going to shoot these people. Can you please leave me alone?" And somebody that monitors these phone calls is probably like, "I should probably report that to somebody." But no, anyway, that's that's way too much thought for a film like this. (laughs) And I would like to point out that the only really superb, decent actor that this series had didn't come back for this one <laughs> which was mickey rourke yeah <laughs> you know what like mickey rourke just ate the ate that first film up he was just like he chucked this level of like 
power and passion into the film that just didn't need to be there. And, and as, as, they deci- as they decided, they didn't need him. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they couldn't. Maybe, maybe they just. Uh, maybe they just decided that they wanted to go in a different direction. I purposely. Th- I, I personally think that direction was the wrong direction. But yeah. anyway, now what they needed was more shots of uh, the veiny forearms of Sylvester Stallone. I definitely think if you're gonna go macho, you gotta go full macho, man. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Like, like, just don't don't waste your time putting in characters to try and balance out things. It's like just be who you are and just run with that and just see how you go. Yeah. Um, all right, round it off for us, Josh. You're gonna recommend this to people? Uh no, no, <laughs> no. Not in any way or form. I uh, I definitely think the first one. The first one was a piece was a piece of fun which was just being made for just to bring all these people together in a film that was just just not possible in any other generation other than ours. Like, this is a film you could only make now yeah. because it's only something that can be won over by talking about it on Facebook and Twitter. It has to be able to grab that just trending feel and just run with it. Like, get the money before people have even decided whether or not it's good or not. Like... They're throwing these actors in, and everybody that watched action in the 80s was just like, I'm in. I'll just go. When you do it again, you're just pushing it. Yeah, now now it just feels like, all right, come on. And they're talking about Expendables 3 now. Who are you going to chuck into this? You oh, oh, rumors are already kicking around. on set. Rumors are already kicking around. Would you like to hear some of these rumors? Just do it. Uh, they're talking. They're, they're in talks with. Now, I'm going to make sure I get this right. I'm going to bring it up on screen. I know two of them, but I just want to see if there's any been added since uh, I last heard. Uh, but the rumor at the moment has uh, them in negotiations with Nicolas Cage. What? And Harrison Ford. And are you ready? Sitting down? Clint Eastwood. Right. <laughs> So, right. So these are these are who they're talking with at the moment. Now, apparently, Nicholas Cage imagine. is. Sorry? sorry, go. I was about to say. Go. Apparently, rumor has it that uh, they haven't been able to lock down Eastwood or Harrison Ford, <laughs> but it looks like it looks like Nicholas Cage might be in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I just like. I, can you imagine going to Clint Eastwood, the man who has literally gone away from these kind of films and moved on, and basically. Instead, be like, hey, man, you want to go do the most ridiculous action movie in the world? And he just looks at him and goes, I'm like 90. (laughs) I don't know if he could actually hold a 44 Magnum anymore. (laughs) And if he did, I don't think he'd talk. I I don't think he'd kill anyone. He'd just talk them to death. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Now that I spoiled that line already, I don't think we need a spoiler section. I'm going to say to people that I'm going to say avoid it at the cinema, but it could be fun for a Saturday night uh, movie watch in your home uh, on DVD with a bunch of friends and beers. Mm. Uh, and as a double feature, yeah, watch it with the first one. You know, nice. it's like, yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah. There you go. That's what I would recommend. I don't think you should go spend eighteen to twenty three dollars to pay for this. <laughs> Look, the opening fifteen minutes is great, but you're going to regret everything after that. Yeah. No. Look, I think that's definitely the best way to put it, man. I really do. I think that um, I think it's one of those things. It's like it would be fun to watch with a bunch of friends laughing your ass off at how silly it is. But 
I don't think I would go and see it any other way ever again, and I kind of wanted my money back at the end. <laughs> fair, fair, <laughs> enough. <laughs> fair enough. Um, all right, well, there you go. There's Expendables 2, and I think the long and the short of it is go watch Expendables 1. <laughs> Which I still stand yep. by being a remarkably silly fun film. Um, but remarkably silly. Anyway, it is definitely remarkably silly. Yeah, it is. And they do look very old, Celine. I agree. <laughs> they, they all look very They're old. looking a whole bunch worse now. Yeah. And I was talking about the plastic surgery. Schwarzenegger looks like he's had plastic surgery. Um, and Van Damme looks like he's had plastic surgery. And Chuck Norris definitely has had plastic surgery. And they're all looking kind of scarily like, you know, those life death death masks. You know? <laughs> What are they called? Life masks or whatever. Oh are. yeah, 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 yeah. I know the ones you mean. Sorry, I just lost it for a second there. I was like, wait, what? No, yeah, no. you know, yeah, those those weird those where they capture your face at death or whatever. Those weird things. Anyway, but that's what they kind of look like a Walking Dead. <laughs> and uh, can I say that I've never watched a film before that I felt like I needed subtitles for English? Like there were many times where Salona would be like, oh, and I'd be like, I actually didn't catch that. Like I'm not even being a jerk. I don't know. What was just said? He came from the Bane School of Acting. Come on, it, it's it's not even that. I just think that it's like it. I I feel like it. It's almost like one side of his face has had a bit of a stroke or something, because it's just <laughs> I don't know. I mean that he's like, always no, been not, like that though. <laughs> I I know, but it's sort of like now it's just like between him and and John Claude Van Damme, who's you know still struggling a little bit with uh, with really sort of delivering the lines. It's sort of like between the two of them, there's conversations there that I was actually like, can I just get like yellow subtitles down the bottom? <laughs> Van, this Damme bit? A, Van Damme has been in America for so long, you would think by now he would have mastered the language. You know, it's like he struggles with his accent really mm. badly. I always remember, now this is going to lose a bit of impact because you've really got to hear him say, and I'm sure if you go on YouTube somewhere, you'll probably find it. But there was actually uh, like a press kit that came around many, 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 moons ago uh for uh van damme when he did street fighter and uh we were watching it uh this was years ago when i used to work at a video store and we were watching it and there's a part where they're interviewing van damme and he goes it's a really good movie go watch it and the thing is the way he said watch it with his accent sounded like what shit and so he yeah. goes, just go watch it. <laughs> and everybody who was there watching it went, did he just say shit? <laughs> it's like, what the hell? You know? Um, but yes, his accent has always been very heavy, and it doesn't seem to have gotten any lighter. No, no, not really. No. So anyway, let's, hmm. uh, let's, let's talk about a list of five. That, that's one ensemble. That's one way you could do an ensemble film. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about some other ways you could do an ensemble film. What do you reckon? I now, think that that would be a really good idea. I think so. Now, this is uh, five ensemble films. We actually did not specify in this list whether they were good or bad films. We left that up to us to decide. And I don't know which way Josh has gone, because, of course, we never share our lists beforehand. Nope. Um, so that. we're just saying this is five ensemble films. Now, I'm going to say straight up the front, uh, I think you could probably watch all of mine. I, I have gone for good ones as well, Dave. Well, there you go. All right, so and there are many bad ones as well. I'm sure you could dig them up. But we're going to go for the good ones at this point. And my God, when you start digging into this, there are so many that you could choose. Um, mm. We kind of we were a little bit stumped at first as to decide what constitutes an ensemble cast. And I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, but I think we kind of decided that it had to be three or four stars or more. Um, and basically they had to be stars. 
You know what I mean? It wasn't like, because I mean, every film's an ensemble, if you think about it. Yeah. It's a bunch of yeah, actors. Yeah. You know what I mean? But so, names. You know, we put these names together and make magic. Or so the theory is. Uh, so as we saw... With that's the, the plan behind it. Yeah. That's the plan behind it. You put lots of stars together, you make more money at the box office. Or that's how the producers like to think. So let's start this off. And I'm going to start us off. And I'm going to say my number five. And this may be on your list as well. Uh, my number five. Let me throw some names at you and see if you can guess the film. Okay? Let's start with John Cazale, Talia Shire, Abe Vigoda, Diane Keaton... Uh, Sterling Hayden, Robert Duvall, James Kahn, Al Pacino, Marlon Brando. No. The Godfather. Wow, I'm really out of it tonight. I can't <laughs> believe I didn't get that one. I was like, I, I thought about it for a moment, but I was like, surely it's not that easy. But yeah, yeah I, no. I, start, I start easy and I go harder. <laughs> All right, cool. No, well, a, I, I, I also kind of, threw a, I kind of threw a hook into it because I actually started from the bottom of the list to the big. So, yeah. uh, because I was I, starting I thought, to think of Diane Keaton and, and, and I was like, um, no, I don't remember. It's like when you said Al Pacino, I'm thinking more modern. So that's yeah. where I No, I thought the Godfather and then the Godfather part two, you can roll out Marlon Brando, but roll in Robert De Niro. So, but I'm going to go with the original. So the Godfather is my number five. Yeah. Okay. Your number four. Uh, you mean my number five, Dave? Oh, that's what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> you are terrible at this number thing. Maybe you do need a rest for a few weeks. Okay, uh, my number five is uh, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Oh, it was almost on my list. I was looking at that one. Yes, good I choice. just adore that film. I think that it perfectly, uh, perfectly gathers that weird sense, like... I, I being a dive instructor at one stage in my life, uh, watched a lot of these like old eighties, seventies, eighties, like, uh, instructional videos. And, um, I just admire that they managed to capture that, like disturbingly like music tracks that you would never put in a film, just like low production values. And just, that's what they ran with. They just ran with this and this cast of people that just look upset and bitter and they're all there even though they don't want to. And he's an absolute charlatan and, like, hasn't done anything real in his whole life. It was just amazing to watch. Like, I, I've never – like, it truly was a unique film. And no, then I, I watched it. pretty much everything else that man directed and I got the same film. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I, no, I really love Steve uh, – really love The Life Aquatic. I think it's a really, really pretty film too. Oh yeah, no, it's uh, awesome. Yeah, it's awesome, and I love I love Bill Murray with the beard and the little sailor hat, and it's just oh, dude, the, just their outfits, <laughs> just how they've all got that matching like you know set of uh, equipment and outfits, <laughs> just ridiculous. It's fantastic. In the best way. It's fantastic. All right, let's go number fours. Ready? Yeah. All right, I'm gonna throw some more names out at you. Let's see how you go with this one. All right, how about Noah Weil, Christopher Guest, Kevin Pollock, Kiefer Sutherland. Kiefer Sutherland. Anyway, uh, Kevin Bacon, Demi Moore, Jack Nicholson, and Tom Cruise. I just... <sighs> Frozen? Uh, let's go with A Few Good Men. You can't handle the truth! You know, I've only ever <laughs> seen that film once. Oh, really? You need to go back and revisit that. I probably do need to revisit that one. <laughs> I actually only watched that when I was like nine years old. That's why that just did not click at all. Ah, uh, yeah. No, you need to go See, I, I need to start doing this to you because I reckon some of these ones I could stump you with. I think you could. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, I'm not going to uh, do it for every film. I just those two have got particularly powerhouse casts. So, a few good men is my number four. You're number four. Sorry, uh, sorry, my, it's me doing it. You're number two, Josh. 
<laughs> no, you're number four. Go for it. My number four. No, I'm not doing that. I can't be bothered trying to list the cast members. Uh, my my number four is the Usual Suspects. Oh, once again, almost on my list. <laughs> it was I, almost um, there. This this was one of the films that made me want to write films. Is just the fact that uh, creating this giant sea of cast members, and especially if you've watched this film multiple times, the fact that he pieces together the story out of items in the room is just so good. Mm. Like something something that you have to sit down and write sections of it and then go back and write the rest of it, but also making sure that you're faithful to certain bits. It's just mind-boggling from an uh, organization point of view. No, it is. And, it's a great film. Great film. Yep. Must, must watch film. Um, and uh, so close to being on my list. <laughs> so close. So Your close. next one. My next one. Uh, now, my top three are actually one of a group. Um, and the reason why I say it is because in going through this list, you start to realize there are patterns. So I'm going to say for my number three, any Robert Altman film, but I have one specifically. All right. So I'm going to say any Robert Altman film, because the man actually built his entire career doing huge ensemble casts, uh, from everything from MASH to Preta Porta to, to, uh, Nashville. All right. But I'm going to say... The Player would be my choice, um, which is a fantastic film and scathing, biting look at Hollywood. And let me just rattle some names off for you, okay? And have a listen to this guy. Have you ever seen The Player, Josh? The for- Player? No. It came up when I was actually looking at films like this. Yeah, no, you've and- got to see The Player. The Player is an amazing film. And I'll, I'll rattle off some names, and you tell me after this if you don't want to see this. Tim Robbins, Greta Scacchi, Fred Ward, Whoopi Goldberg, Peter Gallagher, Brian James, Cynthia Stevenson, Vincent D'Onofrio, Dean Stockwell, Richard E. Grant, Sidney Pollack, Lyle Lovett. Uh, I haven't finished yet. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy Piven, Gina Gershon. Uh, Then there's a whole bunch of those. And then we come down here and we can say Rene Aubergeois, Harry Belafonte, Sherry Belafonte, Karen Black, Michael Bowen, Gary Boozy, uh, Robert Carradine, Charles, uh, where I share, James Coburn, Kathy Lee Crosby, John Cusack, Brad Davis, Peter Falk, uh, uh, Louise Fletcher, uh, Dennis Franz, Terry Garr. Scott Glenn, Jeff Goldblum, Elliot Gould, uh, Joel Gray, and the list. I'm only halfway down the list. <laughs> now, granted, granted, there's a few people in this film. Granted, a lot of them are cameos because uh, the film is actually about Hollywood and a lot of them play themselves. Um, oh, right. But only Robert Altman could have pulled this cast together. Yeah, and that's basi- um, quite spectacular. And basically made a film that is a complete satire of Hollywood. And it is strikingly brilliant. Now, Robert Altman does this all the time. He pulls these enormous casts together, and everybody wanted to work with him. It's unfortunate he's dead now, and, and, and you know, his legacy is finished. But go back and look over Robert Altman's films, and you'll see an amazing collection of films with an amazing collection of casts. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, The Player is my number three. But as I say, that's subnoted by saying basically go see any Robert Altman film. Um, and you'll <laughs> see these huge ensemble casts. All right, your number three. Uh, my number three is uh, a recent film that you and me both saw, Dave, which is uh, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. Oh, good. I forgot all about it. <laughs> I know. And it was actually the first one that came to mind when we thought of this, um, just for the fact that this is a cast. This is a casting we haven't seen done this well and this well directed. You know oh, what I mean? No, it's an amazing like, That was film. one thing I did not spend enough time talking about in the review is just the amazing amount of effort that would have gone into getting all of these people to work so well together. Oh, performance, 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 performance is what that film is about. 
Mm. Uh, without the performances that are in that film, it would have just been any other spy thriller. Mm, but it exactly. is it is a tour de force, and and I said it during the review, and I'll say it again: uh, Gary Oldman's never been better. Mm. Uh, that is like his his absolute. I mean, if he if they were ever going to give him an Oscar, that would be the film for it. Agreed. You know, and they didn't, but you know, so well, uh, c'est la vie. <laughs> c'est la vie. You can't win them all. <laughs> you can't the win them all. You can't win them all. But God, it's a good film. I love that film so mm. much. Um, all right, uh, my number two. Um, once again, I'm going to preface this by saying any 70s disaster movie, which was basically came from the Love Boat School of Casting. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because they basically said, we're going to make a disaster movie where a plane crashes, a, a building catches fire, a boat goes upside down, whatever it might be, and we're going to put together the biggest cast possible. The one that immediately comes to mind is the Poseidon Adventure. That was one. I, I almost did that, but I actually decided that I went with the Towering Inferno. Ah, good call. Uh, because the Towering Inferno, with the Poseidon Adventure, you had Gene Hackman, and then you had a whole bunch of aging actors who were kind of in the heyday of their careers. With mm. Towering Inferno, they cast Steve McQueen and Paul Newman as the two leads, and then you surrounded them with William Holden and Faye Dunaway and, and, and Susan Blakely, Richard Chamberlain, uh, O.J. Simpson, <laughs> funnily enough, uh, Robert Vaughn, <laughs> all these people who were actually big at the time. Yeah, and uh, Towering Inferno is actually a slight cut above most of the disaster films, and since it's actually not a bad film, there's <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more substance to it than, yeah. uh, than some of the other ones. I mean, I think kind. I think I think when you look at the worst of the '70s disaster films, you look at Earthquake with <laughs> Charlton Nelson, which is not very good at all, and Towering Inferno actually is pretty good. Um, but yeah, so that I say preface that by saying any '70s disaster movie with the Love Boat casting, but uh, Towering Inferno. Uh, <laughs> sorry about the pun. Stands above the rest. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're number two. Uh, my number two is uh, Tombstone, uh, oh, which I've talked choice. about several times on this. Um, just an awesome cast. Like you know, uh, just even your leads. You've got you know Bill Paxton. You've got uh, uh, Kurt Russell. You've got uh, Sam what's the Sam, Sam Elliott? Ed, uh, um, the tall guy, Sam. Sam, Sam, Sam Elliott. Sam, Sam, Sam Elliott. Elliott. Yeah, Sam Elliott. Yeah, and of course, uh, Val Kilmer. Exactly. Yeah. You, and oh, Val Kilmer just at his best. Like yeah, at yeah. that perfect Val Kilmer time when it was just Val Kilmer actually nailing those roles as then, opposed and, and to trying also, to be original. And then you also had Michael Bean and Powers Booth as bad oh, guys. Um, yes. Who were just awesome. You know? Yeah. <laughs> no, great, great choice. Um, there was another Western I was going to talk about as well, but I didn't put it on the list. I don't want to mention it until. And I think, I think uh, we've both got it. So leave it for honorable mentions because. As an honorable mention, yeah, because I, I didn't put it on the list, uh, but there is another Western in particular that we can talk about as well. Uh, yep. Actually, there's a couple of other Westerns, but we'll come back to honorable mentions in a minute. So, but yes, Tombstone, great film and mm -hmm. great ensemble cast. All right, let's do number ones. Um, and once again, this is one of those, it's out of a pool of films because the man who was the director of this film directed ensemble films. That's what he does. Um, and I'm going to say basically any Lawrence Kasdan film. Uh, oh, man, I thought you were going to go with Baz Luhrmann films. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. You're going to be away for a while. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> now, I'm going to say any Lawrence Kasdan film, but of course, I think the epitome of Lawrence Kasdan films has got to be his 1983 masterpiece, which is The Big Chill. Yeah. 
Uh, with Big Chill, you've got Tom Berenger and Glenn Close and Jeff Goldblum and William Hurt, Kevin Klein. I mean, they're all in top form. Joe Beth Williams, they're all just in top form, and it is an amazingly good uh, drama. Uh, with some very funny stuff in it as well, but an amazingly good drama. And But Lawrence Kasdan did that a lot. He did Grand Canyon, for instance, with uh, his ensemble cast there. And, of course, the other one that I'll talk about in the Honorable Mentions. But before we do that, Josh, hit me with your number one. Well, my number one is Heat. Oh, yes. I will never stop loving that film. I think that if you're in the wrong mood, like something like, say, The American... Or something like this. It's like it's very easy to look the wrong way at this film and hate it because it is very long, very languid, and very paced. Yep. But um, I think that it is one of the most visually um, interesting films. Like this man spent a lot of time just going around and finding locations just to shoot small sections of, just to fill in in between this film. Like he wanted the city and the feel and the uh, the environment around them to be as much of a part of the cast as them themselves. And I just have never got over the fact that you have this really good lineup, but then you also just have them playing against each other so perfectly. And I mean, right at the head of this, you have Pacino and De Niro before they got pudgy and took any role that they could. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a great film. Um, and I, it's, it's interesting you say about the locale, because, I mean, Los Angeles is, quite frankly, a character. Mm. And, mm. and it's a, a beautiful-looking film. I mean, it's just stunning. Um, no, great film, indeed. If you're ever bored, sit down and watch the special features of that film. There is a lot of really interesting uh, things that they talk about. Cool. I don't think I've ever seen the special features on Heat. Mm. Very interesting. Now, the film I was alluding to before is another Lawrence Kasdan film. Have you ever seen Silverado? Silverado? Yeah. Um, it's a Western that Lawrence Kasdan did in the <gasps> 80s. Yes, I have. Ke- uh, Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein, and... Jeff Goldblum, uh, yep. Danny Glover, etc., etc. The cast is enormous. And uh, it is a brilliant Western. A lot of fun. Came out at the same time. I as... actually thought you were going to say Magnificent Seven. Well, I was thinking about that. There was actually a point where I was going to do any film with number in the title because you've got Ocean's Eleven, Magnificent Seven. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Magnificent Seven was another one uh, that was definitely an honorary mention. And the other one that's an honorary mention to Western is Once Upon a Time in the West. Which, ah, yes. Which course. is remarkable. And it was almost on my list. Uh, but the but at the last minute, it was a last minute withdrawal. And then we were actually talking about this list this afternoon. My mother and I were actually talking about this list. And she brought one up that I hadn't thought of. And as soon as she mentioned it, I thought, oh, my God, you're absolutely right. And that was the uh, 1949 film, The Woman. The Women. Oh, sorry. No, not the 1949. The Women. The Women <clears throat> is what yep. I wanted to say. And why can't I suddenly find it? I want to, oh, because I mistyped it. That's right. Ha, ha, ha. The reason why I thought we'd bring this one up very quickly is because we always think of ensemble films and we always go, oh, you know, it's the, um, you know, the boys and the this and the that. The Women came out in 1939, George Cukor film. And in its day, in 1939, the cast was Norma Shearer, Joan Crawford, Rosalind Russell, uh, Paulette Goddard, uh, Joan Fontaine, um, this was, these were all megastars. And to put these women all together in one film uh, was remarkable. And, yeah. uh, and that's that, the epitome of ensemble. And she also brought another one up, which was from 1939 as well, uh, to bring, bring up which, The Wizard of Oz. Because, oh, yeah. Because all of the cast members, the, the, the four of them on the road, were all stars. 
they were under makeup, but they were all stars, you know, your Bulgers and, and so forth. And, uh, and Judy Garland, of course, as well. But, they, you know, we're looking at this in ma- a massive ensemble piece. And also in 1939, what a year for film, 1939 was Gone with the Wind was <laughs> a huge yeah. ensemble piece. And they were all stars except for her. She was the she was the unknown. She was the find, uh, Scarlett O'Hara. Uh, but the rest of them, you know, Clark Gable and so forth, were all stars, and they yeah, were and right. they pulled them together for this mega film. And so we look at it and we go, we shouldn't always restrict ourselves to the last, you know, twenty years, which is what I did on my list, <laughs> 20, 30 years. But it's amazing when you go back and you start looking at these huge ensemble pieces from the way back in the heyday. Mm. You know, so it's good stuff. It's a really it was a really interesting list to research. Yeah, uh, because you're you start- right. I, I had fun looking up these ones, actually. I did, too. And there's a great line. If you haven't seen The Women, uh, forget the remake with Meg Ryan. It was terrible. But if you haven't mm. seen the original Women, there's, it's a film that actually has a great line in it where Rosalind Russell says, uh, there's a word for women like you, but you don't often hear it outside of the kennel. <laughs> Ooh, that's great. <laughs> it's a great line. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's no, a great film. Uh, and well worth having a look at. Well, that's it. That's a great list. What have you got in honorary mentions? Anything? Oh, no. Mine was just The Magnificent oh, Seven, magnificent which I didn't want to put on because it was too obvious, and I thought it might have been on yours, but it turns out that it wasn't, so no. I threw it in honorary mentions. And we also, I was also considering things like, the, in honorary mentions, these are all things that were considered, things like The Bridge on the River Kwai um, mm. and The Great Escape. Yeah. You know, we were actually, uh, when we were looking at the list this afternoon, we were going, boy, you could just put, like, World War II prison films. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> There was a lot actually. of them. Starlight 17, you know, there was a lot yeah. of them from that era. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, uh, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a good fun thing. I love a good ensemble when it, when it works. And when it doesn't, it's terrible. And? Ocean's 13, just saying. <laughs> yeah, but Ocean's 11 was really good. And, and that was almost on my list, but I thought it was too obvious. Um, yeah. uh, there was also another one that was almost on the list. Because it's funny, we don't think about it now, but they were huge stars at the time. It was that moment that... That that moment in time, which was Saint Elmo's Fire, oh, the Brat yeah. Pack, yeah, 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 yeah. They were all oh. huge at the time. They were all stars, you know. And oh, man, uh, I haven't seen that film in like fifteen years. I know it makes you start to go. Oh, I'm gonna go back and catch up on some stuff. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go dig through the freaking old movies pile. I think so. Anyway, so there's our lists. Go out and enjoy. Uh, go dig those up. <laughs> go dig those up and watch those um, and um, I think that's it I think that we don't have anything else sure, to add that's a show uh, that's oh. a show I think okay so let's just say uh, to our very very good friends the real junkies out there uh, real junkies R-E-E-L junkies over at weekendronin.com Thank you for all of your support guys over the last couple of years um, and uh, we will be back so but uh, Save yourself some time on your shows. You don't need to plug us so hard now for the next couple of months. We'll, we'll tell you when we're back. Right? But we want to plug them one more time because they are a lot of fun. Go check out their show. It's on iTunes or on uh, weekendronin.com. And uh, we also should plug Richard's show. Richard couldn't be here tonight, unfortunately. But Richard can be found over at The Real Bits, R-E-E-L Bits.com. Uh, or on Twitter, at DVD Bits. And uh, Josh, where can people find more of you? Okay. Well, I'm oh, at you got, you got an answer. That's right. I'm going to sit back and enjoy. <laughs> yeah. RawDLC.com is my website. But um, I, I, I've got to make a public service announcement, if you don't mind, Dave. Um, right RawDLC needs your help. 
um, everyone that watches this show. Look, we are this weekend starting from about five or six o'clock on Friday night. So that's Friday the 21st. Yes, 21st. Yes. Um, sorry, been doing a lot of work for this, which is why I'm madly strung out right now. But um, Raw DLC has got together almost all of Australian's gaming journalists, and we're throwing them into a room and locking them in there until Borderlands 2 is completed. Now, you oh. might say, well, that sounds kind of fun, but why would I come and visit you guys? Well, we're doing this for charity. And we're going to be raising money for Child's Play, which is uh, basically where people get money together to take basically things like DSs or PlayStations and things like this into hospitals so that kids that are on the uh, children's ward um, or kids that are waiting for, you know, sort of terrible operations can basically have something fun to do. And um, we're going to be raising money this whole time. So the whole time that we're running, you'll be able to see it live at rawdlc.com. Um, forward slash live, right. funny enough, and basically you can just tune in to that. And basically, if you have any money, we we don't care how much. We're not we're not expecting everybody to throw in their life savings. But if you've got ten, twenty dollars, thirty dollars that you could give towards this charity, um, it would be great if you would just show up at some stage over the weekend, and there will just be a donations box on the website, and you are more than welcome to just drop it in there or jump into the chat room and say hi to everybody and uh, give them a few words of support as they do this incredibly life-destroying kind of a goal. <laughs> life-destroying, I like it. <laughs> no, it's well worth it. And remember uh, a while back, one of these events was held for the first Borderlands, wasn't it? That's correct. In yeah. fact, the same team that were on there, including ourselves, a lot of them are back for the second one, um, plus a whole lot of new people. We thought we'd balance it out a bit more, and we have a bunch of girls coming along as well, which would be great, and they're all super psyched, and in fact, one of them, I shit you not, said, I'm not leaving. So <laughs> that will be interesting, because I think by the end of it, we're going to be an absolute mess. Yeah, I think you will be, but it sounds like it could be a lot of fun. So, Oh, look, it's going to be fun. There will be giveaways and prizes, and we don't mean like, you know, sort of a couple of t-shirts and some pins we have some cool giveaways that 2k are providing and uh we will be able to watch all four of us playing through the whole thing live with footage of the game playing as well so you guys have to check it out that sounds very very cool so that's friday the 21st and what's the web address Is uh, it raw DLC? It's www.rawdlc.com forward slash live Fantastic. and that'll be you'll find us also if anybody wants to watch you've also got you've also got uh, the feed going into facebook don't you that's correct. You can just go to the Facebook and there's actually a Ustream button right there on the website and you can click on that to watch the whole show as well. If you have any troubles or get lost, that's probably the easiest way. And while you're there, why not like us as well? Because we're probably worth it. Absolutely. Damn straight. Uh, <laughs> Josh, we'll talk. Maybe we'll even feed it over to the live feed on, um, on Geek Actually for you. Every single step helps. So yep, be so let's t we'll talk and I'll get codes off you, okay? Because we've, right. we've got a live page doing nothing right now. So That's true. Um, we, could, we could feed your feed over temporarily. Yeah, sounds yeah. like a plan. Or, All some, right. or something like that for the event, because uh, we'll do everything we can to help out as well. Charity is always good. Um, just before we go, um, I just wanted to say that we have the little geek in studio. Uh, because we are taking a break, he wanted to come and say goodbye as well. So here he is. Here's Nicholas, my son, the little geek. How are you doing, Nicholas? I'm doing good, thank you. That's very good. Get right into the microphone. We're sharing a microphone, hey, so he's got to get him really close. Yeah. <laughs> so how are you doing? It's kind of sad. Yeah, I know. It's very sad. <laughs> 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 I did the same thing, but I did it before the show because I wanted to seem tough. 
The only reason he's sad is because we'll stop plugging his stuff. <laughs> so we will. Pl- I'm not that cold. So we will plug him one more time while we're here. We'll say go to youtube.com forward slash Nikki McVeigh and go check out his stop motion animation videos. They are really awesome, and he's having a lot of fun doing them. Yeah. Um, and we'll have a little bit more time, hopefully, to get his site up and running properly as well while yeah. we're at it. So we'll keep you informed. As I say, go to uh, the Geek Actually Facebook.com forward slash Geek Actually or follow. Follow me on Twitter at David McVeigh, or of course, geekactually.com is the home of all of this. And we will be back. This isn't a this isn't a permanent uh, a permanent leaving. Uh, we're just taking a break for a few months while we get life back in order, and yep. then we'll come back stronger than ever before. Yep. Yes. With probably a new lineup of shows, which could be kind of exciting. Um, and but- I'm sure plenty of other amazing things. Yes, absolutely. And uh, I've been talking to a bunch of people about uh, possibly guesting on the shows and stuff like that. So we should have a a good lineup of guests coming up and all sorts of other stuff. So bear with us for the next couple of months. Just consider this an early Christmas break, basically. And uh, we're going to break off for a couple of months, two to three months, and then we'll be back. All right. But we will keep you up to date on everything we're doing through the Facebook page and through the web page. Yep. All right. And you got anything to add? Uh, no. Bye, Geek Okay, bye, bye, Nicholas <laughs> and Josh. I will catch up with you soon. We're gonna All still, right. we're gonna still talk. <laughs> yes, we will. Yes, we will. And just be and keep your eye on the feed. If you are subscribing to our feed, keep subscribed to it because uh, the occasional specials will come through when we do stuff like the Twilight one and the Hobbit one and stuff like that. So keep oh. keep the keep the stream subscribed because you never know what might come through. absolutely man yeah all right well we should probably call it a show absolutely josh i'll see you next time yes you will all right and we will see you guys later i guess oh very quickly before we go i just have to throw in a quick correction on the last show i said that the music at the end of the show was by basil polidaris the original total recall score it's actually jerry goldsmith i do apologize it just sounds a lot like basil polidaris's music we're finishing this show with some music from expendables so uh, i'm not entirely sure what yet but we will figure it out it'll be in the show notes everybody out there good night go see more movies you don't see enough movies and all of life's questions are answered in the movie and we will see you next time. We're just not sure when that is yet. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye now. Bye.